0: Could it possibly be? Are the old legends true? Wow. It is! It's the fabled lost city of Atlanta! This
1: is the Creasecast. Here's your host... In the Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Cast. I am joined by my guest co-host, uh, a writer from spirit of the Fin, uh, East Bay Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing today? Doing great, Lachlan, Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've been—it's been a while. We've been trying to get you on for a while. Initially, you were going to come on for probably a, for a, a Canucks-Sharks episode, but uh, that kind of got thrown out the window, as did all of sports yeah yeah then what happened? <laughs> yeah it's it, it's it's been it's been a weird it's been a weird uh, little run here unfortunately, but we're still finding good hockey things to talk about. Um, and uh so you recently uh, moved to uh, Atlanta, Georgia if i'm
0: that's that's right i uh, I live in the metro Atlanta area. I'm uh, kind of the reverse of the Thrashers in that I'm originally from
1: Winnipeg. Um, and I live in Atlanta now. Yeah, that's right. And then with a pit stop in, in the Bay Area.
0: Yeah, I, li- I live most of my life in California,
1: yeah. Right. And uh, that, of course, brings us into today's episode, which is we're doing a franchise uh, study on the Atlanta Thrashers, what went wrong, what, what little went right. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk about that. Um, and we'll start off just by going through a little bit of a brief history on the Thrashers and hockey in Atlanta as a whole. Um, of course, the, the Thrashers weren't the first team in, in the area. Uh, the NHL granted an expansion team to Atlanta, Georgia in 1972 to keep the WHA out. Uh, they, were, and they, they were called the Flames, uh, and they played out of the Omni Coliseum, which I believe is on the same site, which was built, which was the same site of where the new arena is now. Yeah, I
0: believe so. And like, everybody's still, it's got corporate sponsorship, but it's one of those ones that everybody still calls the Omni. Um, oh, really? Yeah, like, I honestly don't know what the corporate sponsorship is, because the Hawks still play there. But um, yeah, just it's people still refer to it as the Omni, for the most part, to the extent that they refer to it
1: to the extent that they're like, oh, this is the old Thrasher's building. I'm sure you don't get that a lot. <laughs> That's not the first way they introduced that arena, I'm sure. Not so much. Yeah. And uh, essentially the, the Atlanta Flames were were actually decent. as far, were like They were mediocre as far as their their uh, record was concerned when they played. Uh, they made the playoffs six out of eight years. They had some decent players come through, a lot of which were would go on to become core members when they moved to calgary became the flames and won a cup in 89 a couple a quite a few of those players were part of that uh part of that move is the young from the younger group um but in the 1990s uh the uh ted, ted turner who is in a billionaire owner of like cnn cartoon network everything the world you know atlanta Yep. Yep. He believed, because he owned uh, the Atlanta Braves at the time. I think he also, did he own the Hawks? I don't, I, I don't know for sure on that one. He owned the original I'm not though. sure. I know, that,
0: I know that the group um, was like Atlanta Spirit I owned both the Hawks and the Thrashers. I'm not sure if Ted Turner did own those. That's a good question. He, um, the Turner group is definitely the original owner of the Thrashers for sure, but I'm not sure if they had involvement with the Hawks. Yeah.
1: That's correct. there you go. Um and then yeah, and then uh yeah, the NHL granted the expansion team in nineteen in the in the mid nineties on the condition that they built a new arena where the omni was today because the omni was old and had no luxury boxes, so they built the new arena on top of it. Uh the they chose the name Thrashers based on the state bird, which is the brown thrasher, and a good name. And then had some some interesting jerseys. They had some they had some they had some good jerseys. <laughs> They did I like
0: that baby, the baby blue on that says Atlanta down the sleeve. Like that's like, I feel like for the, for the times, like the late nineties or early two thousands, when teams just started kind of getting really experimental, remember this is the time of like, you know, the fish sticks jerseys and like all the, all the weird ones were like from around the, on that time. And for them to, come up with something like, like I said, the baby blue one, I think was a solid, was a solid jersey. A little bit busy with all the um, accent colors on it, but, uh, you know, solid recognizable logo at the hockey stick.
1: Um, And like I said, I like that, I like that baby blue one a lot. Uh, We actually, I actually have the colors here. Do you want to, do you want to hear the names of the colors they used? Yes. Because there's like seven. There, there are one, two, three, six of them. There are six. One is white, to be fair. One is just white. Okay. The other five are Atlanta Midnight Blue, Thrasher Ice Blue, Georgia Bronze, Capital Copper, that's capital with an I-T-O-L, and Peachtree Gold. That's pretty local, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, they really went uh you know, they went to the Home Depot and they were just like, okay, what, like, oh, this Thrasher Ice Blue, this is perfect. They're, they're like, got the paint swash- swatches out, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's interesting that they didn't pick like, a, you know, kind of an established color scheme for the city, like go like black and red, like the Falcons or like you know, which is also um, similar to University of Georgia's colors, that um, they didn't, you know, kind of go with something that's, like, established and
1: associated with the city. Um, right, because pretty much every team uses some form of, what, bl- of red, of red, I think? There's a lot of – the
0: Braves use, like, navy blue and uh, some red accents. Um, the Falcons are black and red. Uh, like I said, University of Georgia's black and red. Um <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, red's a pretty common color. The, um, uh, the M- uh, MLS team is black and red. So, right. you know, kind of it's a pretty common theme and they're like, let's do baby blue. <laughs> yeah. Why not?
1: And some, uh, some, <laughs> some, 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 yeah, let's do Put like some bronze on it. <laughs> some bronze. Yeah. That's uh we really want the, uh, you know, that old, uh, that old Disneyland Tomorrowland look of all the golds and exactly. <laughs> running around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, the Thrashers had a had a, shall we say, checkered history. They ran for a They ran for was it eleven seasons? They they went 11, 12 seasons. Could not get and only made the playoffs once. Got swept by the Rangers in 07. and yep. then were sold into the and then two thousand eleven during the Stanley Cup Finals that year. And of course, I know that because I was living the Canucks Cup Final that time. Uh, the, got sold to a True North, to True North Sports and Entertainment in Winnipeg removed and became, of course, the second version of the Jets. So, you're living in Atlanta now. What is, I guess, what is the what is the landscape of sports there like and how much of the Thrashers, how much influence do the Thrashers have in today's Atlanta? Not a whole lot, to be perfectly honest.
0: Um, <laughs> I didn't it's think been, so. you know. It's been almost a decade since they left. And like you said, they weren't terribly successful when they were here. And there's a lot going on in the city. Um, we've got MLB, um, NBA, NFL teams. We've got uh, college football, which is hugely popular here, like to, a, to an extent that I don't think that – you know, most, you know, most Canadians for sure. And, you know, most Americans who aren't from, uh, you know, the South or the Midwest really appreciate the popularity of of college sports, particularly college football. Um, And then there's just a lot of, you know, other non-sporting things to do here, like just so much, so much live music and concerts and outdoor opportunity that, um, you know, really to capture the uh, public's imagination, you you have to be good. And we see this with the MLS team that they were successful out of the gate and they're hugely popular here. Um, you, you know you drive around and you see all kinds of um, uh, you know stickers for the soccer team on people's cars you know more so even than I would say than the Hawks um, which is you know a long-standing well-established NBA team um, this is this is a place where there's options and you have to do something to capture people's attention and you know the thrashers, you know, we're kind of a typical expansion team up to that point, you know, where they struggled early and then, you know, got some, got some good picks, which I think we'll talk about in a little bit, but, you know, they only made, like you said, they only made the playoffs once they never won a playoff game. Um, and that's not the kind of uh, performance that's really going to capture people's attention in, in a city with this many, um, with this, this many teams and and this much going on around here. Um so I think that that's you know a big part of their problem. You know, if you look at the other teams that came into the league at the same time or around the same time as they did, um, Nashville, um, the Wild, Columbus, and, um, Columbus. Yeah, you know, those were all going into you know, you know, in terms of Columbus, like that, they were the only show in town, so they could be bad for a little while. And there's going to be that novelty factor like that was their first professional sports team in Columbus, Minnesota, obviously. Huge, huge uh, hockey market. Sport in hockey is so so big in 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 that in that city in that state that you know they were going to have uh, a grace period. Um, you know, people there were just you know hungry for for an NHL team after the North Stars left. Uh, right. You know, Nashville again was a team where I think. Pro team there maybe maybe the Titans got there around the same time but like that was not a team that that's not an area that was like oversaturated with like MLB and NBA and uh, this was going to be the fourth sport like that was one of the first you know sports to go to to go to Nashville and um, I feel like out of those four teams they were kind of they weren't terrible of those four out of the gate so like Atlanta was probably had the worst performance and they were in the market Columbus
1: Columbus was close they had a they had a pretty rough go for a long time Yeah.
0: Yeah. But again, like Columbus, like they were the first, you know, pro team in Columbus. So, you know, there's a bit of a grace. there's a bit more grace period there where, you know, people are going to pay attention where they won't in a place where it's like, okay, we've got, we got other stuff we can, we can watch and do and, you know, spend our time and money and attention on. Um, And I think that was kind of one of the really, one of the big failings of the Thrashers is that they weren't successful quick enough and they didn't that's why people didn't you know show up to games ultimately is that you know there's a lot of there's a lot of competition and you have to make you know you have to make a case for yourself And they didn't really do that effectively um as for now um when I first moved here, I was in, I was in an apartment that was actually right next to their old practice facility. And the sign is, <laughs> the sign on the rink is still up like official practice
1: facility, the last Thrashers. So like, that's still out there. Ow. Yeah. That's insane. That's awesome. Did you take it? Did you try and just like, I'm just going to grab this and take it home. <laughs> and, no, it's a, it's a substantial sign. It's like, yeah, you would need like some power tools to get
0: that off. It's pretty the substantial.
1: Rink, the rink is still open.
0: The rink is still open. Yeah, you can. They've got they've got you know rec league hockey and skating lessons and that sort of stuff going on there. Um, that's uh, yeah. That's it's still a public uh, public rink you can go and you can go and skate at. Um, have an ECHL team, the Atlanta Gladiators, affiliate of um, Boston Bruins. Um, right. So you know, but I mean, like that's small ECHL level. That's, that's ECHL level hockey, which, you know, like I said, this is, you know, a major league city. So it's not, they don't get a ton of a attra- of, you know, traction. Like they don't you, don't, you don't get gladiator scores on the news. Like you have to go out and look for that information about, about the gladiators. Um, so like I said, I don't think they, I mean, you know, there are some, there's definitely some ranks around here and there's definitely, uh, you know, some interest in hockey and it's, it's a, it's a big city with a really diverse population and, if there was a hockey team here that was doing well, a lot of people would follow it, but there isn't.
1: <laughs> yeah. Admittedly. Yeah. I'm, I think, I think a lot of people would admit us, would admit us including myself that we don't like, you know, outside of, Atlanta. It's one of those cities that you don't hear that much about and don't know that much about, just because it's not like it's not like a New York or a Chicago where it's like a or it's like a major American city and a lot happens there. It's you know so uh, for a lot of people, the joke is that this is Atlanta's where you stop to catch your second plane, right? Like it's the it's the big airport. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to Disney World or something or somewhere else around that area, uh, and that's and that's our and that's obviously on our on us. To the point where you know we don't know enough about Atlanta and what the what the city is like, and it sounds like it's a place that, you know if it sounds like a place where unless you're doing a really unless you're doing a, a shitty job running your team, like people are going to come out and people are going to support it, and you're going to get that kind of you're going to get the 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 you're going to get the fans to come. Uh, yeah. Casher's case, they just royally screwed it up so many times that people just gave up. Yeah.
0: And, you know, one of the things to keep in mind is that it's a big and growing uh, city. And so we have a lot of transplants from especially all over the region, but all over the, all over the country. And so, like, there's kind of a appetite here for new teams in, in leagues where people don't already have an affiliation. Um, like I said, I think that's part of the popularity of the MLS team is that there's so many transplants here and that, you know, they've already got a baseball team and a basketball team, but like, oh, now there's a soccer team that, and I don't, I didn't have an MLS team before I moved here. So like, I'm going to latch onto that. And, you know, um, so I think that, you know, that there's definitely that, um, that kind of hunger for something that's, you know, kind of, kind of new and like, oh, I could attach myself to this. But if they're not successful, no one's going to do that.
1: What uh, from the hockey fans? If you've had any interaction with hockey fans in the area, uh, what teams do you kind of hear people talk about most often? The big ones: Chicago
0: and Detroit, and the Rangers, and the Flyers, and the and the Leafs, and the Habs, and the Bruins. I mean, just kind of your typical, you know. The, the, the big teams that everybody cheers for. I, I've not met another Sharks fan here. Um, but, yeah, I've seen, like I said, I've seen, you know, people with hats and T-shirts and, and car stickers and license plate frames from, you know, just you can name the big teams, the Penguins and the, you know, um, you know, places like that. Met a couple people that, like, are Predators fans and will travel to Nashville. It's about a four-hour drive to Nashville. I've okay. met a couple Predators fans, but you know, other than that, pretty much people here cheer for, you know, like I said, the Bruins and the Blackhawks and the, the just the big teams,
1: the teams that get the most exposure on like national television.
0: Yeah. And the teams that have exactly the ones that are on TV, the, the most, and the ones that have in general, in general had, you know, some success in the last, you know, in the last little while, which kind of goes hand in hand with the TV thing for sure. But yeah, you know, it's just kind of, you know, you not mean any Arizona Coyotes fans out
1: here. Yeah, I can imagine. I can ima- I mean, you don't find a lot of Arizona Coyotes fans in Arizona, so that's that's understandable. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I have to be nicer to, to the Coyotes fans. I think at this point. Um, okay. As a Sharks fan, I will never be nice to them. No, no, really. Why? What did yeah. they? What? What in particular? I don't think I know this. <laughs> Just division rivals, you know. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, you're nice. You're nice to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm a gonna- Canucks fan. Ish, you know, I
0: I will, <laughs> I will always, you know, have that uh, Mark Messier in a Canucks jersey uh, picture ready how to drop on the timeline how, at the drop of a hat. If you cross, if you cross any lines, like I got how that cute by
1: <laughs> that's oh, it's unforgivable. Okay, we now let, we have to get into the minutia of the Thrashers because there's a lot of interesting stuff to come out of that. Even in the the, the few years that they were here. Uh, There, there's a lot of stuff to talk about with them, uh, especially because of the fact that I think uh, as we're both coming from the Pacific Division, for us, uh, of course, the Sharks and the Canucks, the the Thrashers are not a team that we really ever thought about. I don't think – you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I know Thrashers games were like those kind of ones that you are like, oh, yeah – they exist, and they're a team to, and they're a team that comes through every now and then Ilya Kovalchuk has his nights, but other than that, you kind of just don't yeah
0: think
1: you didn't think about it, yeah, that. and if you
0: remember back to that time um there was there was a a, a a several season stretch where um with the unbalanced schedule, east and west teams wouldn't even play home and away every season they would alternate home and away every other year, so like. You know, you you know, you might not see them for for a couple seasons, and um, and, and and yeah, it was you know in that time frame when the Thrashers were in the league, or you know when they would come through like you know every other season. So, you know, again, not a team that you know really you know landed on the Sharks' radar. You know, didn't have any you know legendary beefs or you know huge line brawls, and obviously never met in the playoffs or anything like that. So they were just kind of one of those
1: other teams are out there where it's like, Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Atlanta. All right. Fair yeah.
1: On. That unbalanced mm-hmm. schedule. I think the thrashers are one of those teams that got hurt by that because of the fact that, yeah, you're in a way, I'm not going to say it creates a rivalry necessarily with every team because obviously it doesn't, but it's that idea of, especially even for like <laughs> home fans getting that opportunity to like, say, see every team from the other late, like stars from other teams that helps build the yeah. the sport in that area because especially for a lot of those young teams like you hear always about how how exciting it was for like the for like the star of the league to show up for a game or something like vancouver when we had the our own tortured franchise and the grizzlies in the nba for a brief period like the biggest games were the ones when michael jordan and the bulls would show up because people those games were always sold out even when the grizzlies were trash because people wanted to see michael jordan no <laughs> oh, yeah and um, I think we're going to start here. I think we're going to talk start talking about uh, their, their drafting because that really is where the start of things uh, <clears throat> where things started going wrong for the Thrashers just yep. immediately.
0: From, yeah, from from day one, um, you know they they uh, had the first overall pick in the in the '99 draft um, prior to their their first season,
1: and um, so I got an interesting story about that. About the I'm, do you I'm, know? I'm sure back?
0: I'm sure you do. I, I'm sure you do, and I um, uh, I know all the wheeling and dealing that Brian Burke did to get the second and third overall picks. Yes, and, <laughs> and the thing is, though, where the thrashers, where the thrashers screwed that up is they didn't hold his feet to the fire. Like they could, they had the trump card. They could have, they could have said, "We're taking Daniel, and we'll trade him to you." at an inflated price, like they could have completely derailed that whole whole plan, but they're like, no, nah, we're going to take Patrick Steffen and they let him, they let Burke know that up front. So he didn't have to, he didn't have to sweat it. And, um, you know, I know Brian Burke was a great trader. And when he got his, when he got his heart set on, on a star player, he was good. He was going to make it happen. But like, they pretty much, you know, got out of his way. Like they could have, they could have a hundred percent extracted some significant assets out of out of the Canucks at that draft. If if Burke had his heart set on the Sedin's, uh, which obviously he did, and and you know better than I do the, the the crazy sequence of trades he had to pull off to make that happen. But they pretty much just let that happen. They could have said, "No, we're we're taking one of them, and we'll if you want if you want them both, like you know here's our price." But they didn't do that. So I think that
1: like right out of the gate, they misplayed the hand that they had. Um, Anyway, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I mean it's a great moment for me. I you could you could say the thrashers the thrashers walked so the Sedines could run. Uh but you know it's it, it comes down to I think for them especially uh the idea of that first overall pick really there's some I, 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 there's like there's something special about that first overall pick and as an expansion team you never get that you rarely get that opportunity right away because most most of, i think they were going to pick four, third originally um and so you know it's that idea of okay we've got a rich owner here at the draft or it's the first year of our team we want that first overall pick even if you know yeah because it's there's some because that'll Get the attention, people's attention when we draft, when we get that, when we're up there for the first at the podium, right? And yeah, you know, Patrick Steffen didn't have a a terrible career. I mean, he played 455 games, but he was uh, he was no first overall pick. No,
0: and and like I said, you know, when when you get when you get you know, when that that somebody's you know pulling all these strings and has their heart set on um on on those two players, like you got you to use some of that leverage to your advantage and get some some kind of consideration out of it, you know? Um, and so I think that, like I said, kind of right out of the gate, that was, you know, kind of their, their original drafting misstep is that, you know, they just got out of Brian Burke's way rather than saying like, well, what's it worth to you for us not to take one of them?
1: Right. And now to be entirely fair to the Thrashers, the Sedins were one of the few hits of that draft. Is, oh, that draft is, is terrible. That Oh, it's horrible. Like, I mean, yes, the Thrashers could have had, aside from obviously splitting up the Sedines, you know, who knows? That's a whole other thing of worms. That, yeah, Pavel Brendel, 22 points in 78 games. I mean, Tim Connolly had a decent career. You have Taylor Pyatt, who, of course, is a Canuckle, and some freaking. I mean, but Barrett Jackman, there's some There's some names there. Martin Havlat is probably the one who got. Right. Have left, but he was, like, way down. He was, like, 28 or something like that. Yeah, 26th overall to the center. Okay, yeah. And that, he was – he's oh, Mike Commodore in the second round. Uh, I'm trying to see here if there was anyone obvi- besides the Sedins who really uh, – Zetterberg. That was Zetterberg. Oh, is that the Zetterberg, Zetterberg year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so there I mean, you go. You could have had Henrik Zetterberg. <laughs> but then again, so could have everyone nice. else. So could have everyone yeah. else. Yeah, I mean, seventh round and, like,
0: I think that like his team was like not even in the, his team was in like the second or third tier that year. And like the Red Wing scout, like went to the, like, a you know, went to see him, you know, just, you know, kind of on whispers that he had heard, you know, because he wasn't even like, he wasn't like, Zetterberg wasn't even playing in the top tier, um, you know, Swedish junior league at that point and you know it was com- basically completely unknown so whatever those things happen every once in a while like you can't yeah. really blame anybody for not draft drafting Zetterberg but yeah he's like other than the Sedines, he's the best player in
1: that draft yeah for I mean I'm
0: not like and it's not even really close
1: yeah like, so, I, like, I mean places. I mean Martin Erat would like a word with you but uh
0: <laughs> created for <laughs>
1: Philip Forsberg yeah yeah, some, and, and Radim Verbata, former Canuck as well in there. Um, but uh, yeah, Patrick Stefan, of course, is most famous for flubbing an empty net goal as a Dallas star, uh, but which is kind of just the uh, the microcosm of his career as far as things go. So much promise and then, oops, just space plants a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the Thrashers, yeah, the Thrashers don't have a great, Drafting record. A lot of their players never panned out. Like they have the, they had, they did get a few good picks, like here and there. But those are like you know Danny Heatley, second overall, Ilya Kovalchuk, first overall. Those are the guys yeah. you should be hitting on ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Yeah, and
0: even Heatley was a little bit of a little bit of a gift because the Islanders went off the board and took uh, uh, Pietro
1: first overall that year. That's right, um, and then set in motion Luongo going to the Luongo uh, trades, Florida, yeah, just into Vancouver. Galaxy, just pure galaxy brain shit. <laughs> um, the, the the late two thousands and like the early two thousands and late nineteen nineties are such a bad time for general managers. There were so many bad GMs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, yeah, you see why you know, with better information, people just making such better decisions. I mean, you know, even if people aren't super on board with, you know, quote-unquote fancy stats, you can just see that across the board, teams are making better decisions than they were 20 years ago. I mean, you know, nobody's drafting, you know, the equivalent of Rick D.P. first overall, and then, you know, making the making the subsequent trades because then you had him, like like, that just... That just doesn't yeah. happen anymore.
1: Yeah, sure. Sometimes so, you get like the rare nail Yakupov, but like most of the time, like people are land, are, people are doing what they should and are landing on those top picks.
0: And I mean, even Yakupov like scored like at an outrageous rate in his draft year. Like he was, right. like he wasn't, he, he wasn't, you know, off the board at all. Like he was up there with, you know, in terms of points per game in his draft season, he had one of the like top 10 junior seasons like up to that point i want to say mm-hmm. like he was a legit scorer as a junior and like his nhl equivalents numbers like were very strong and obviously he just didn't pan out and you wonder how much of that's just you know the oilers being the oilers you know if he had gotten drafted by a team that had you know just better management and development would would he have would he have you know actually panned out you know we'll never know but anyway
1: yeah, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but as far as the Jets like drafting history is concerned, like there are so many names on here that you either don't know or you or you'll recognize say as Winnipeg Jets or as someone else. Like they can't like they drafted a yeah. couple they hit a couple on a couple, but they can't they they developed too late to help that team.
0: Yeah, or like and like some of them, like in the two thousand three draft, which was maybe the best draft ever arguably it's mm-hmm. certainly up there um they had the eighth overall pick and they took Braden Coburn who Fine. has had a long well career he um you know played over 900 games um very solid pro but they missed on so the many. talent that went behind him like were like game changers like Jeff Carter went a couple picks later and you know there were there were like legit game breakers on the board and they got a steady defense now
1: yeah it's there's like I mean Dion Phaneuf went right after went on the pick immediately after the Calgary like that's that's an immediate okay you kind of lost us here Yeah, and like the
0: rest of that first round, you know, Brent Burns was still out there on Parise and Getzlaff and Harry and like Kay Weber and Patrice Bergeron went in the second round. Like that draft was so loaded. And like I said, they used the eighth overall pick on a on a very
1: solid, steady defenseman. Yeah, like yeah, like I mean, for like in the case of like say if you're talking about a team that's doesn't need to be, like that doesn't necessarily need to be. Scoring huge on those picks in a way, like that's fine. Braden Coburn could have been a bit of, a a piece to a bigger a bigger team, but yeah. the fact of the matter is the Thrashers needed star power, and they they landed with that instead. Yeah, and and
0: like you know, even even Finuf would have been would have been a better pick he just on personality alone. Like he had that, you know he had that media presence and he had that, you know, kind of swagger and, you know, Braden Coburn's just kind of a, you know, classic, you know, doesn't say much, doesn't, you know, doesn't talk to, like, he's not, he's not a huge personality, you know, on, on the level that Faneuf was like, whereas Faneuf, you know, had a bit of that, you know, swagger and, you know, would talk to the media and you did kind of be that guy. And in a market where the team's new and not terribly well established and, you know, your best player is, is Ilya Kovalchuk, who's, um, you know, not, you know, uh, not a native English speaker and not, you know, the most outgoing person to have somebody like a enough there who kind of could be that guy and kind of could be a bit of the face of the franchise, even, you know, even if ultimately he had, you know, his career didn't end the way nearly the way it, it, it looked like it might, uh, when it started, like, there's value in, in that for a new team too, having somebody who's got that big personality.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It makes, yeah. It's, and it really just, it, it's just a whole story with them of how they came close. Like they had every now and then they'd hit on a player that would, you know, that would do something and it would become a piece of something bigger of to a degree, but they, just so rarely were they actually getting the were there was their drafting record actually like picking up guys who would really help them become key contributors down the line
0: yeah, like the one like and i mean like you said they hit on they hit on some stars early, um there were kind of obvious picks and like but then they never really hit on any like mid to late round guys of like the only the only like late round guy or mid you know say after the second round that turned into anything really was, was, uh, Tobias Enstrom. Right. Um, and yeah, obviously you know, a good player, long career, um, that was, that was a really good pick, but like you need to be hitting on, you know, a little bit higher rate than that, than like one out of, you know, one pick in 10 drafts turns into, turns into something. Um, yeah, just, just not a, not a good record. And, you know, like, <laughs>
1: It, it 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 just got like that that plagued them and that at the end of the day that 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 could be that's probably one of the key reasons that they weren't able to put together that they weren't ever able to get anything successful going
0: yeah that's that's part of it for sure is that they didn't have that they didn't have that um you know that 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 depth behind the, that top uh those top players and, you know if you look at the year that they made the Uh, the one year that they did make the playoffs, they had like an insane top line and nothing. Let me, let me look at this here. So their top line that year was uh, Hoza and Kovalchuk with um, Slava Kozlov. Hoza had a hundred points. Um, uh, Kovalchuk had 76, Kozlov had 80. And then their next highest scorer was a 40 year old Scott Mellenby with 36 points.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. I mean, and, you know, the, to be fair, like one of the things the Thrashers did all right with was bringing in, like, like they didn't seem to have trouble bringing in veteran guys and veteran presence players to yeah. play a few seasons. Like, I think Keith Kachuk was a, was a thrasher briefly. They traded for Kachuk that year. That was the year they made the
0: playoffs. They, they traded for Kachuk, and he scored 15 points in 18 games um, and then three points in four playoff games. So, yeah, like, like they, they brought in Kachuk, and they had some other, like, um, vet guys, you know, on that on that team. Um, uh, mentioned Kozlov, like, he was he was a vet at that point. Um, Scott Mellenby,
1: Bobby Holik was on that team. Um, yeah, like, they didn't have, they clearly weren't having issues, like, saying, hey, like, you know, with the sales pitch. Like, hey, come to Atlanta, you'll like it. Like, you know, the weather's warm, people won't recognize you every time where you go on the street. Like, people, like, they, they, they seem to have yeah. the sales pitch down.
0: Yeah, they definitely like I said they definitely brought in some good vets and they had some you know they had some solid trades, you know, um after uh you know after after Danny Healy um had the car accident and the and the tragedy with um with, with Dan Snyder and he he kind of quietly requested a trade and um then they they moved him to Ottawa during the after, during the lockout season um got they got down. back host- yeah, got back Marian Hosa. Like that, that's yeah. you know, yeah, like, that's, that's like, an upgrade. Like they were forced, they were forced to trade. You know, a young, upcoming, up and coming, you know, uh, star in the league who you know won one Rookie of the Year and you know, and they actually got a better player out of it. Like that, that's so rare to like have to you know have to trade a young player because he requested a trade and then like actually come out ahead. Um, yeah, like that's that never happens.
1: Rarely, rarely. And even then, like, even in Ottawa's case, like, that's not a, necessarily a trade that they lost either. Like, that was one of those trades that no, kind of worked out for both – it worked out for everybody. It
0: did. Oh, yeah, it, it did. And, you know, he, you know, obviously needed to move on and not, you know, be around the city and, um, you know, everything um, for his own mental health. And he right. obviously can't blame a guy for for that. And, you know, he, he had a great career in Ottawa, 50 goals a couple times, and then – even on the Sharks, he was you know people kind of people kind of dump on him from the Sharks, but he was a point of game player his first year in San Jose. Like, and that whole line went to the Olympics. Like, he played yeah. with Thornton and Marlowe. And, and oh, remember. I remember, like, that. Oh yeah, and Canada was just like, oh, we're gonna take that line. Like, no, don't, we're not. Gonna and Dan Marlo Boyle it. there too. They had
1: like four Dan of them. Boyle was there too. Yeah, I was yeah. at the game like- against Switzerland, and it was kind of like it was kind of like that. Oh, the Sharks are going up against Jonas Hiller after right after <laughs> President's <laughs> Trophy season yeah yeah
0: totally but no like like it, you're right it did it did work out for everybody involved and um you know healy went on to have a good career hosa went on to be one of the one of the best players in the league you know even if he never fully got that um you know that due um from from the mainstream press i remember he was like one of the first guys that you know the the like behind the net and the the early fancy stat sites were like no, this guy's, like, one of the best players in the league. And, you know, that was I, that was kind of one of my first, um, you know, players that I looked at, you know, looking at some of the more, I mean, even, not even by fancy, by today's standards, but just kind of like by, you know, Corsi and, like, you know, stuff like that, that, like, oh, no, Host is like, legit, you know, one of the top players in the league. And the, the fact that the Thrashers were able to, to get a player like that, you know, when they had to trade Heatley, you know, like, He wasn't, he wasn't happy here and he wasn't going to, you know, he really wanted to be somewhere else. And the fact that they won that trade is, or not won that trade, but like didn't lose it significantly is, um, you know, almost unheard of trading a player under those circumstances and, and, you know, not getting significantly worse, um, and then yeah and then like they were able to, to a little bit later near the end of the run but they were able to to grab bufflin for pennies on the dollar i mean like i think they actually even like got a pick with bufflin
1: um, yeah because the the hawks were cash or uh cap in cap trouble because of the whole because a lot of their players went up at the same time so they had to ship a lot of that of the the core group of the 2010 yeah out.
0: yep yeah, exactly. It was in that
1: it was in that situation, and like and I think it was, was like Ladd went with with him too. I think that was the same trade. That sounds yeah, that sounds right. Let me let me see. It, uh, and Ladd, of course, would go on to be captain for the Jets and for the Thrashers for a season. For that one season, they were there, and there was like a, they had a they had a they had they had the nucleus of a good team building, and of course, it got a lot better. Uh, once uh, they moved to Winnipeg, Kevin chevel De- dayoff came in as general yeah. manager to start and brought bring in the likes so, of you know Mark Shifley, Nick Ehlers, Patrick line and that and uh Connor hellebuck as well um, yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean a lot of those guys were kind of in like Shifley was like the first pick I remember he was the first pick that the that the Jets made as the jets um. Yeah but like they had Brian
1: Little they had Bufflin and Enstrom like I think had they got some Blake Wheeler like some point they got Blake Wheeler somewhere I think around they, there yeah before they left Atlanta for sure yeah
0: yeah um, no they they definitely won they definitely won some trades but um, you know I think that part of the part of the problem in addition to the, the drafting poorly is that when they did sell off those big stars they didn't other than other than like traded Heatley for Hosa they didn't get Fair value
1: back for, for either Hossa or Kovolchuk. Like, they didn't bring enough star power back in return, which you needed to sell the fact that your even team like was kind of rebuilding.
0: Yeah, or even like good enough, like just even good enough, um, good enough futures. Like Kovolchuk was uh, traded to uh, New Jersey um, for Johnny Oduya, Nicholas Birdforce, Patrice Cormier. A first Oof. and a second. Oh boy! Yeah, and like <laughs> that's, that's a that's a that's, a, that's for, a, for like the for after Ovechkin, probably the premier goal scorer in the league at the time.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's not what you want.
0: No, and like the the host, the host trade was something similar. Like it was, I remember Angelo Esposito was in that and like a late like a oh, late Angelo second Esposito. and. He was,
1: like, such a big prospect. Um, he was going to be great. The World Juniors, yeah. he was amazing, and it was like, oh, he was going to be the next best thing, and then it just never worked out.
0: Yeah, he was, yeah, he was like the, yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, like, when they did when they did trade those guys, like, they didn't get back, um, all right, hang on, I got it right here. Not uh, only, so, yeah.
1: Not only did they not get back anybody of, of real value, they didn't get back, you know, they didn't get back anything. They got back nothing.
0: Yeah, so it was um, Hosa and Pascal Dupuis to Pittsburgh for Angelo Esposito, Eric Christensen, Colby Armstrong, and a first. You traded Pascal Dupuis too?
1: Guys, oh, come on. <laughs> what? So you completely lost that one. Like, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, oh Atlanta. Who was their GM? I'm calling him right now. I think it was Don Waddell. Was it still it was Don-, Don Waddell? It was Don- it was, I,
0: I don't know if Waddell had gotten fired at that point but I think it still was, yeah.
1: Oh, no. It, 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 I will say this. somebody, If there is one person who has really had their stock rise in the last cup, it rise since their Atlanta days, it's Don Waddell. Oh, he was out of the league for so long. It was like 10 years at least he was out of the league. And now and all of a sudden he, he's in Carolina and just like hitting it every single time. <laughs>
0: doing what Eric tells what Eric Tulsky tells him to. Yes, and, uh, correct. and yeah. Hey, look, you hire the, you hire the smart guys and they make good decisions. And like, you handle the, you know, negotiation, old boy, uh, stuff. And, uh, we'll tell
1: you who to go trade for. And, um, yeah. Awesome. Look. <laughs> yeah. All <laughs> of a sudden he, can't, he, he can do no wrong. <laughs> He's building one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, exactly.
0: And yeah, he went from just getting, you know, from not drafting well and getting fleeced in, you know, kind of every other trade to like being, yeah, having just like a great track record, which, you know, kind of, you know, good on him for, for listening to the, uh, listening to the analytics department there. But yeah, yeah I think that sticking. says probably
1: more about, uh, more about, uh,
0: uh you know, that team than it does about him.
1: Right. And, you know, it's – the Thrashers had – like, if there's one thing that they definitely struggled in with uh, in Atlanta uh, and something I know can make or break your team, it's the goaltenders. Their, their goaltending record was atrocious in Atlanta. And, I, I mean, I put together, like, just a little bit of stuff, like, just looking at the list. So, obviously, you know, goaltending – uh, can make or break a team. Like you can be like no matter how good a team you <laughs> build up front, if you've got trash goals. I'm a sharks tennis. fan, you don't need i I'm a sharks fan, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> no okay. Martin Jones had one, at least had one good season and got them to a cup final, you know? This this is a this is a whole other animal that you have not yeah. yet quite yet seen. Um ju- so just to give you an idea here, the Thrashers I watched, I watched this year. You had, I watched you the watched Sharks this year. Oh yeah. I mean they kind of got put out of their mercy a little bit here at the end. Like uh didn't didn't not make the playoffs, buddy. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> clinched a not playoff spot. We
0: did it, guys. We're um, we're not we're not eliminated from the playoffs when the regular
1: season ended. Only Detroit. Only Detroit was, I think. <laughs> um yep. uh, and you know, we're not gonna feel too bad for the for the Red Wings. They got they had the cups. No. Um so in terms of goaltending, like just to give like at least my perspective on goaltending, um, the way I always see it is, is you know, if you can get a solid, like, you know, about a season out of a goaltender, like a full, like over like a couple years, like you've, you hit something, you did something well there. Um, and the thrashers, uh, they didn't have a lot of success in that department. They had only, only in the, they had about 900 in 900 games uh only five goalies played 100 plus for the Thrasher's and only one of them played past 200 and that was Kari letnin Uh he was the leader in wins when he left in 9 with 90 with 94 um and that was out of yeah 204 starts. So it was uh it was a bit it was a bit uh bit rough of a rough go for them. They had some good goaltending from here and there like Johan Hedberg, Andre Pavlik, who of course uh, have a little <laughs> bit have electric have electric yeah he had a couple good he had a couple okay years in Winnipeg and that's kind of where people know him best although I think there was also the one time in Atlanta where he fainted like at the beginning of a game and people remember that as well um it it's the goaltending situation for the thrashers was never really good like I am looking on this list and this is how I can tell right like not just by the numbers I'm I'm somebody who I think knows a lot of goaltenders and obscure names uh, of guys (laughs) who played in net over the last, like, 100 years of hockey. Uh, There are way too many names on this list that I have never seen before and (laughs) I've never heard of. You guys remember uh, Scott Fankhauser, 23 games in over two seasons? No? No? Uh, How about uh, Pasi Nurmanen? actually that one kind of does rem- i do kinda I, remember that i actually one. do
0: remember that name yeah like if we were doing a if we were doing a real or not real i would have guessed real on that one okay let, let's
1: do you have the list in front of you i don't okay let's do this all right here we go uh, real or not real scott Langkow. scott Langkow.
0: That, I feel like that's um, someone who would show up like a few seasons into like be a GM mode of like NHL 05 because they had Damon Lankow's name in there and the name generator would kind of <laughs> go off that. Um,
1: so I'm going to say not real. It is real. It's real. What, 15 games played in the 2000? Two thou- 2000. He had a record of three wins and 11 losses and a save percentage of 890. (laughs) Martin Jones level. Martin Jones level. Martin Jones is also kind of a name that you might think is too basic (laughs) to be be real. All right. Uh, Uh, He's real. I'm well aware that he is real. All right. Okay. What else do we got here? We got, um, who else? Um, Okay. Michael Garrett. Michael Garrett. That vaguely sounds familiar. But I, I don't know that I'm gonna say real. That is in, that is also real. Two, th- 24 games played, 10, 10 wins. He actually came out with a winning record. 10 wins, 7 losses, and 4 digits. Four ties slash overtime losses and a uh, save percentage of 885. Woof. <laughs> <sighs> yep, not 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 great. It's not great. All right. Uh, Alec Telquist. Alec Telquist. <sighs> I know
0: that there was a Swedish goalie prospect named uh, uh, Mikkel Telquist. So I'm going to say fake. It is fake. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you got your, you're winning here. You got two. you got two and one. Um, so there, okay. So there's a couple other like pretty obscure names on here. Like one guy who played 117 games, uh, Milan Halinka. I had never heard of that one before. Nope. Nope. And the the one other, now there's one, so there's one really obscure name on here, Frederick Cassivi. and I had never heard, and I've actually, well, I actually know that name. And the only reason I do is because one of his eight games played was against the Canucks and Marcus Naslund had like a six point night. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I know who he is at all. And, um, you know, like, they've had, again, they've had a couple names in there. Like, Chris Mason played there for a while, although he had some Winnipeg Jets time as well. Damian Rhodes was their first real starting goaltender who had good years in Ottawa. But for the most part, you're looking at a who's who list of guys that you've never heard of before.
0: Yeah. And, like, Letton was drafted to, like, be the guy. Like, he was supposed to, you know, he was, you know, number two overall. He was supposed to be the goalie that, you know, they could, they could just trust for, you know, 10 years and not have to worry about the position. And, you know, he had some injury issues and, you know, I think he, he probably played his best hockey after he left uh, Atlanta. Um, but yeah, like they, they thought they had that locked that down uh, when they drafted
1: him. Yeah, to this day, he's still the only. Of course, he'll he'll always go down as the only uh, the only goalie to get them to a playoff to a playoff spot and actually play playoff hockey. Um, and you know, like Car, I I I think he had he had his flaws for sure. Like even in Dallas, like there was a lot of t- or Car he didn't always. Uh, he's another guy that didn't always come up with the most clutch in 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 a lot of scenarios, uh, especially when he was split in the net with Antti Niemi, who he. Who we, who we know a little too, who we know way too well from his Sharks days. um. But, you know, um, and if, you know, if Kari Lettinen's your high bar, as far as your goaltending is concerned, like, yeah, that's not been, it's not been a good run for you. And that's not going to win you champ, And that's not going to win you a playoff round, let alone a championship at the end of the day.
0: Unless you're like the, you know, 2010 2010- you know, Capitals and Ovechkin scoring 60 goals and you're just going to win games four to three every night, you know, then, okay, fine, roll with them. But, yeah, if you, you know, if you've got, you know, you know, one good line, you know, you, you need to be winning, you know, two to one games and none of those guys were, were capable of uh, doing that.
1: Right. The Thrashers were clearly built as a kind of defensive first team where the names were, It's an, it's more about, shutting them down in your own net zone. And yeah, if your goaltending can't handle that, like it's not going to work out for you. Yeah. All right. All right. And I think we're going to get to, let's get to some of the questions, to some of the questions portion stuff. Okay. Five, let's talk about, what are the five most important moments in franchise history, good or bad? Like what are those, those moments that you would say kind of stick out from that team?
0: Um making the playoffs, you know, and even though, you know, even though they didn't win, win a game, but the fact that they won, they went, they traded for Kachuk at the deadline. Um, and then, and they actually like went for it. They won the division. Like they had like 97 points and they actually won the division that year. Um, like that's huge um, for a team that really hadn't had any success to that point. Um, like that's, that's, that's a great accomplishment. And, you know, if you see, you figure at that point, it looked like things were really looking up. Um, so I think that you know, you, just the, the process of like going for it and um, you know making the winning the division, making the playoffs for the first time, like that's that's got to be like one of the biggest moments. Um, I think one of the big negative, one of the big negative moments for for this for this team in this market was the uh, it was the lockout that lost the whole season. Like you know, you think about how bad that was for. For hockey fans everywhere, if you're a casual fan, like that probably that probably just like totally erased your interest right there. Like, oh, we're we're gonna lose an entire season. I think that 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 four oh five lockout, you know, um, disproportionately affected the, the the teams like Atlanta that were in the um, you know the, the non traditional markets and then didn't have the strong established fan bases and the you know, didn't, didn't have you know really the success, uh, that, you know, say, you know, Tampa or, or Florida had had, um, that it, that really hit hard because, you know, you wiped out entire season, like, was that like the fourth or fifth season that the franchise was in existence? They just wiped it out. Like that's, that's just brutal for your fan base. Um, you know, I'll say that, um, Another 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 down another down point um, in terms of you know the franchise. I'm trying to put these in the middle and uh, kind of make a, you know make a little sandwich of uh, compliments. but I'll say another one of the down ones was obviously um, we mentioned it earlier. Danny Heatley's uh, a car crash in uh, a 2003. He was injured and missed half the season. And that's not even close to the worst part. Um, you know Dan Snyder passed away as a result of that accident. And like that's that's just a you know uh, an awful awful thing to have happen to a team and to the to those people that are on there and you know young team too there's a lot of young players on that team um so that's uh, you know one of the biggest you know one of the biggest moments in in franchise history Um, oh where did my
1: list go um (laughs) I can, I'll you know, go I, over, that, I mean, I'll sir, agree with some saying? of the ones I'll agree. I like, I'll agree. Like I hadn't even thought of the lockout as one of the ones that I, I it wasn't even one of the ones that I'd picked. Uh, but the other two, um, those were like the playoff one, the playoff run was important and it sucks that it kind of, you know, clearly they were coming in, coming in a little bit with, uh, you know, they're playing in the, the Southeast division, which wasn't exactly a, a strong a strong division and never really was never really was made up of crazy good teams like you had the the rare year where tampa or carolina would come out and you know win a cup but they weren't but sustainably over time there were a lot of times where that division was a little weaker and the fact that the thrashers won a division won the champion won a division uh but then came out and kind of got flattened by the rangers in, in four games was it's it sucked because it sucked because they could have they could have done a little bit more and it's too bad that that's the only 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 taste of playoff yeah, hockey. Sure. got. Um, and then yeah, this the 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 Dan Snyder car crash uh, of course was awful. Like I mean yeah besides letting forgetting the fact that you know he was supposed to be a decent hockey player and they're hoping they had high hopes for him like you know like it's hard it kind of it puts your 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 franchise and the people working there like in the players like all in it, it it puts a casts a shadow that dark shadow over franchise because you just lost somebody a friend a good a good friend and somebody who had like you know there were a lot of, there was a lot of stuff going on there. So it's, it's, it, it sucks the way that, that went, that turned out, especially, you know, Danny Heatley, of course, wants to move on at that point And it makes perfect sense. And yeah, the lockout is a good one. The lockout I really like as a, as an answer because yeah, that, that definitely threw them, threw them a little bit of a tougher, of a tougher to play with on the audience from an audience standpoint.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, when you're trying to build a, a fan base, and um, you know, you've you not had, you not really had any success. You've been a typical expansion team, not being very good, and then you're just gone. Like, you know, like I said, in in this market, you have to you have to stand out to capture people's attention. And being gone for what was that? Like their fifth season? Like, you know, that was that's a huge, huge obstacle to overcome in a way that you know, none of the Canadian teams or you know the the
1: traditional, you know,
0: Detroit, Detroit, Philly, Boston teams really had to worry about. I mean, even San Jose, you know, came back pretty strong from that. You know, they, they'd gone to the conference final the year before the lockout and it had some decent success, but, you know, you know, even, you know, they were, they were, you know, in, in a better situation, even though they're in a non-traditional market than, than Atlanta was like, they were, like I said, there was a lot going on here. And, um, you know if you skip a season people are going to find something else to do and i think that hit them disproportionately
1: to the rest of the league yeah which is why it's going to be so crucial that the nhl tries to avoid any sort of work stoppage when seattle comes in in a couple in a couple of years even for not only for them but for say even a vegas for to a degree even though Vegas has found uh, a lot more success than the Thrashers did.
0: Oh, for sure. And I mean, I think that that's part of like, if you look at the rules around the expansion draft for for Vegas and Seattle versus the last time they did this for, you know, Columbus and Minnesota and Atlanta and um, Nashville, like the rules are much more favorable to the expansion team than they were um, 20 years ago. And you know, the league kind of realizes that, Hey, somebody's paying half a billion dollars here. We can't make their team just trash for the first five seasons. Like, you know, and especially with how well Vegas has done both on and off the ice, you know, and those, you know, the fans show up because the team's good, but you know, they, they need people to show up. And like the league kind of sees that like, Hey, if we can make this team like decent or obviously Vegas kind of caught all the breaks that first season, um, and, you know, went on that, you know, unbelievable run, but they've got some really good players. And, you know, and part of that is because the, the league kind of wised up and was like, oh, we're going to make this team, like, not be terrible for five years. And maybe then, like, they'll catch on. Um, and I think that, you know, like I said, I think if Atlanta had had, a, you know, a couple good playoff runs early in their existence. You know, they would have they kind of captured people's attention here in a way that they never were able to do.
1: Yeah, and that in itself could be its own kind of like defining moment for this team because they didn't start like their their first draft isn't exactly uh, a great a great run either. Like just looking at those the players that they picked, I have the list in front of me. Like some of the better some of the names you'll recognize are guys like Steve Steos who went from the Canucks. You have Jody Hull, who was a, a part of the Panthers team in '96. Johan Garpenloff who was a Shark, I believe. from a Sharks. Yeah, the Sharks. Do you know who the Sharks pick was that year? Oh, I honestly don't. It was Alexei Yegorov don't remember him. <laughs> there you go. That's your answer right there. I'll be honest. Um, I do not remember it, Yegorov. Yeah. Um. Let's see. A couple other names. Kelly Buckberger, who was a big, I believe, an Oilers captain for a, for a good amount of time. The mm-hmm. goal setting, Trevor Kidd. I think he was, Kidd. He, was the thrashers, he was the Thrasher's first captain, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe so. He was. Trevor Kidd from the Hurricanes. Norm Miracle <laughs> from the Red Wings was a goalie Ooh. who they picked who and in, instead of have in, they had the option to pick Igor Larionov and they skipped over him from the Red Wings and went for Norm Miracle. <laughs> yeah, they really, uh, they really just uh found a lot of ways to to ruin this one. They did get Corey Schwab as well as a goaltender. The goaltenders are almost always like the first stars for those teams because they're they're usually the one position that they can kind of land somebody all right. And yes. you know, even then, uh, I wouldn't say uh, they traded Trevor Kidd like right away and went with Damian Rhodes for Future Considerations, who was a great player for the Senators, by the way. You know, Future Considerations yeah. was phenomenal. He did great work. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like... It, just starting from that point, like, I get the idea that you want to go with a tougher team, but at that point, it's like, okay, you got to find somewhere to get some scoring. And they skipped over it in a couple cases. Like, you could have Igor Larionov, who was great, who had a bunch of points. You could have had him for your first team, who would have brought you some star power and been, you know, and actually put the puck in the net. Yep. All right. What are, what are a couple of the other uh, the other moments you had? Um. You know, I think that kind of the to put a bow on, it's kind of the the
0: the moment um, when the team wasn't going to be able to stay here. And I remember reading an interview with Gary Batman around that time um, because he he this was around that time when he was going to the mat to keep uh, the Coyotes in, in, in the Phoenix area and had um, helped. Uh, the senators had been in some pretty bad financial situations and. Um, so at Buffalo, within, within the last few years of, of the Thrashers um, being sold to True North, and I, I remember reading an interview where someone asked him, like, what's different about this one? Why, why are you not, you know, fighting like you've, you, know, you have to keep, uh, you know, the Coyotes uh, or the Senators or, or, you know, where they are? And he said, you know, we did our due diligence and there was no local buyer um, for this team. And that's why, that's why they, uh, allowed the sale to true North to go through. And I think that that's just kind of the, yeah, the, you know, the, the, the ending of the franchise, you know, and that really kind of sad, uh, that sad moment and that realization that, um, there wasn't a local owner that was going to step up and that, uh, you know, the, the team hadn't, you know, resonated with, uh, with, with the populace or with, uh, Uh, you know, any, any of the local businessmen. And, and it's a, it's a big city with a lot of, you know, well-established corporations that are headquartered here. And uh, yeah, I think that that's just kind of, you know, you know, uh, a fitting way to wrap that up, you know, in that it's, you know, kind of tragic and leaves a bit of taste in your mouth.
1: Yeah. And you're uh, you have a bit of a rare, of a, of a a rare connection, of course, that you are, that you are originally from Winnipeg. And I'm, you know, so, like, how do you, do you feel like at the end of the day, do you kind of feel like they did the right, like was moving to Winnipeg the right thing for that franchise? You know, if there truly was not a local buyer that wanted to keep the team here,
0: then I don't know what option, you know, and I, I obviously don't have any inside information on on those negotiations. But, uh, you know, at, at, if that is the case, then I think they needed to go to somewhere where there was going to be an owner who was going to invest in the team and um you know and, and give them a chance to to flourish you know if um the the spirit atlanta group uh you know wasn't interested in owning them and couldn't sell them to a local buyer you know that's 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 really tragic and i would love if there was a team you know here now i do think that the nhl never should have left winnipeg i think that they should have fought harder to keep the original jets in winnipeg um in the 90s um you know cuz it was, it, city, of, it was a, hobby, a little bit of a poppy it was a little yeah yeah and and you know and i don't want to you know i, I don't want to you know be like, i don't want i don't want to say that atlanta doesn't deserve a team at all uh, that's definitely not what i'm trying to say you know i just think that with everything that happened up to that point the lack of success and like i said you have to do something to capture people's attention in this area um <clears throat> at, at some point it's understandable the owners you know didn't want to be uh, involved in that anymore and if there was nobody locally that i think speaks more to you know kind of the lack of success on the ice and the lack of direction of the franchise more than it does to the fan base and the viability of atlanta as an nhl market um yeah i you know i you know i don't have any real strong affiliation or affinity for the for the current iteration of the jets other than like got some cousins there and like hey their their team's winning and that's kind of fun but other than that like that's not a team I you know really think you know too too much about other than like I said other than kind of like hey it's my cousin's team and they're they're happy so that's fun but uh, yeah. other than that like I don't have any really strong feelings for for the Jets and it'd be cool if there was a be cool if there was a team here I'd <laughs> like that yeah um, instead of four hours away Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah I think I' get a flight i think it's I think it's about yeah a four hour drive to Nashville about a six hour drive to Raleigh and then like six or seven to Tampa
1: really so, uh, Ah, yeah, that's weird i always think, I always think of of Atlanta being closer to like Tampa and Florida than I would to like a Nashville, but maybe that's just because of my skewed my skewed yeah. geography Atlanta,
0: Atlanta's pretty far north in Georgia. um it's pretty far north in the state. It's a lot closer to the Tennessee state line than it is to the Florida line. Okay,
1: so if you were to say if you had the if you had the power to put a team in Atlanta today, and do you think it would do you think a new team would succeed there now? I think
0: if it was successful on the ice, and you know, I think it was, if it was successful on the ice, then it it could succeed. But if if it's you know unsuccessful, then probably not, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of one of those, you know, one of those markets where you have to, you have to convince people to come out and, and be emotionally invested in the team. And um, if they're not good, no one's going to do that. No one's going to spend their time or their money or their attention on a bad team because we've got NBA and NFL and MLB and college football and all kinds of, you know, all kinds of other stuff going on here. And um, I think it's a, I think it's a city where if, uh, if a team was successful, they would be, they would be popular. Like I said, the the MLS team uh, was successful right out of the gate and they're, you know, one of the, you know, they're, they're hugely popular here. So I think that there's definitely a possibility for that, but it's going to be tied to the on-ice product.
1: Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm admittedly a little bit, you know, I'm a biased Canadian, so like hockey purist. So I'm like, you know, I want to see a team in, uh, Quebec city again, before I see a, say a third team in Atlanta. But I think if like, say they start going back and like, you know, going saying, all right, we kind of, we kind of fucked things up with the last group with the last team here. If they're going to go through and say, Hey, we're going to give Atlanta a third shot after like a couple other cities, then I would love to see hockey in Atlanta again.
0: Yeah. And I think that it would work as like and as, as an ex, if it's going to work it's going to be an expansion team and something that this city can like kind of own i think quebec would be like a good relocation city and like you can put you can put a team there with like zero notice and that fan base is is going to show up
1: yeah that's what Which i is heard kinda, is kind of there uh that's what they're using right now is kind of the contingency for like say a panthers or like a coyotes if they don't work out
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I think that you know the, that those those Canadian markets like that that you know are 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 a lot smaller. Like you know, Winnipeg's a tiny, tiny city, um, you know, population wise. But people there want to go see NHL hockey, um, and they're they're gonna they're gonna show up. And I think the Quebec's in that same in that same boat. Whereas, like I said, you know, here you kind of have to give people a reason to show up. And if you put a good team out there that you know has you know, some success on the ice and makes you know make some playoffs, makes you know maybe a run. Um, that's that's really going to be the the um, the solution here. That's that's what's going to sell is is success, um, and that's how people are going to get on board. Not just like, hey, we put a we put a team here.
1: Yeah, yeah you got it.
0: This one you got too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, I think I've had enough of bad hockey for a while. It might be time to bring in somebody good. All right. And then one last thing we'll talk about is, all right, is we're going to draft Thrasher a thrashers all-star team here. Um, I was thinking we could each do, we'll each do one. We'll each go. Do you want first overall pick with skaters or goaltenders? I'll go skater, go skater. That's the correct answer. Okay. So go. So, all right, go ahead and draft. Who are you? Who would you take? Who are you taking first overall? uh, in, so, uh, in this draft here?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, th- that's a tough choice because there's, there's two, um, there's Third. two, there's really kind of two, um, like elite, elite skaters, uh, here. I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go with Kovalchuk just because I think goal scoring is, so hard to find. And it's, like I said, other than Ovechkin, he was the premier goal scorer of, uh, of, of the first decade of the century. He was so good. Like, yeah, several 50, goal seasons.
1: Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Kobe. That's, that's, a, that's, that's the right call at the end of the day. I mean, and that leaves me Marion Hossa to take with second overall. Cause I mean like, yeah, right winger, he is of course known more for, you know, the years in Chicago, winning all those cups with that, with the Taves and Kane core. But I mean, he had great seasons early on as he, with he a, Ottawa and Atlanta. And again, you talked about how he came, they came out of that Danny Heatley trade winners. He had a hundred point season for, uh, for the Thrasher's in oh six oh seven. Amazing. And it's amazing to think, especially in the era where he's playing where it's kind of still, I believe like it's not the dead puck era entirely, but it's still not exactly a high flying scoring era. Like, that was the year it was so hard to come that was, by.
0: That was one of the two years when, like, the number of penalties they called spike, when they started calling like obstruction and stuff. And, and so, like, the 0-5-0-6-0-6-0-7 you know, numbers, especially in the power play, are a little bit a little bit spiked relative to everything else. But other than that, yeah, you're right.
1: It was not not like that was like 1987. Um, yeah, it's not the there. It's not the epitome of great of great uh, of high scoring hockey. And he still got it done. All right, who are you going with, round two? <laughs> round two,
0: uh, I'm moving to the blue line, and he was only there for a season. But I'm going with Big Buff
1: taking Dustin Bufflin. Uh, blue line. That's right, because and this is of course this is come this is, uh, the Thrasher slash Jets were the first team to utilize him as a defenseman after a year after he was a he was a he was a winger in Chicago when uh, he played there, and I know that because his whole stick was we hated him in Vancouver. Uh, Because he was always the guy who would stand right on top of Luongo and interfere with him all the time, and we hated him. And there's a Luongo poem about him, and it's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, this is like they real one of the one of the few strokes of genius the Thrashers that Thrashers era had was hey, let's bring this guy to the blue line and see what we do. Yep. All right, and let's see. So who am I? All right, so I've got the next pick here. Oh man, there's some like I feel like I have to. I'm in, I need a center. I definitely need a center because I've got. Uh, oh, that's ah, that's tough. There's a lot of good wingers. They had some decent wingers, more or less. Uh, and I need a defenseman. I'm gonna go. Ooh, I'm gonna go Slava Kozlov. He had great. He was more. That's again, a another, good pick. Another guy who was you know. Um. He was more he was more known of in a different city, playing with the Red Wings, winning Stanley Cup a few Stanley Cups with them uh over the years, if I remember correctly. Um and you know, uh but you know, he still he put up points and he was a big part of the O seven team that made the playoffs as well. And now and uh back to you. Are you gonna take a forward or are you going for a defenseman now? Or another defenseman? So
0: Hmm.
1: That's a, yeah,
0: that's a. I uh, gotta.
1: Uh. You gotta try and pull up some of the other. Uh... Yeah, I'm trying to see. Like,
0: I just wanna. I just wanna double check. So I was checking on. I was checking on Blake Wheeler, and he only played 23 games. So I feel a little bit bad. <laughs> he, they traded for him like in the middle of their last season. So. I feel a little bit bad for that. So I'm going to, I'm going to get my center. I'm going to go Brian little.
1: That's a, that's probably one of the best centers they have over the course of their time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he was there for a number, he was there for a number of years. Um, Yeah. They, they actually like they drafted him and he played like four or five full seasons with them. And yeah, solid, probably one of their best centers. Like you said, they had some good wings, but not a whole lot. Down the middle. So yeah, I'm going uh, going Brian Little.
1: Okay. I'm I am trying to look through some of the oh my god, Jeff Cowan. Uh <laughs> a Jeff Cowan sighting. That's always that's great. The barbarian loved him. Um okay. Uh okay, I got a center for you. I got a center here. Mark Safard. Ooh, nice. He is uh, you know, he had his career cut short by concussions. Uh, uh, yeah. Go to hell, Matt Cook, even though you were a Canuck uh, And scored some big goals, but still, bad uh, And, you know, he was actually i be- for, uh, He was a fan favorite Like, um, one of the things that I remember about the Thrashers uh, Is they hosted the All-Star game in, uh, I think it was 2008 And uh, by that point, Savard was a Bruin And he scored the winner in that All-Star game And every time he, but also, and every time he touched the puck the fans got the fans were getting up and excited because <laughs> he had just been traded like the season before he just signed and he was a fan favorite there. So I've got a I think I've got a decent forward core. My defense is gonna be kind of trash, but you know, I think I've got I think I've got the nucleus of a scoring unit here now that I've got Safarid in between, taking face Austin between Kozlov and Hosa.
0: Yeah, that's solid. That's solid. So I need another forward and I need another defenseman. Um I'm going to go defense here. I'm going to go Toby Enstrom. Legendary jet. Legendary jet. Yep. But uh yeah, originally drafted 2003 by the Thrasher's. Uh yeah, he uh solid solid guy. I think a good good partner for Buffalo. So
1: uh I'm happy with that blue line but yeah you've got you've got you're set there you're definitely set with you got a good defensive group and the jets which the jets could use right about now oh my god chris <laughs> K- chris kunitz was it was it was it atlanta thrasher jesus <laughs> oh man i didn't even know that okay uh i am there is not a lot of defensemen here i guess i have to i feel like i have to kind of go uh who we got um <laughs> yarrow Mo- modry oh my god <laughs> oh Peter Bondra's here oh man we could have Peter Bondra Peter Bondra wow there's some there's some lost souls there's some lost souls around here um you know what I'm gonna go with Braden Colburn you talked you talked him up enough yep. and you know he had a good career overall I think a lot solid of I, player. Think, I remember him as the Tampa Bay Lightning but I will but you know he, he had a solid career and that's what's important at the end of the day he had he he stayed in the league a long time all right yep. Last so last skater a,
0: need, pick. Last skater pick. I need I need a winger. I'm gonna take uh, uh, former San Jose Shark Danny Heatley. Uh, to go with uh, Brian Little and Kovalchuk.
1: You're gonna you wait wait who wait who did you take? Danny Heatley. You took another forward. <laughs> I'll take another forward. Oh man, that's a good. I mean, that's that's the right answer. So That's I got good. I got Heatley,
0: Little, and uh, Kovalchuk up front with Bufflin and Enstrom on the blue line.
1: Okay, you're gonna have to write that down and uh, send that to me. We might have to take a vote on who does the best here. I think this is you. you you're definitely coming out the winner here, in my opinion. But uh, uh, although I might have a I might have a shot at a couple good defensemen here. What do we got? About?
0: You got it. you got it. yeah, Hosa and Kozlov It's like a solid. When I did my pre-rankings,
1: those were um, those were. I could have, I could have okay. Mark Reckey. Are you kidding me? Mark Recchi? What? Keith Kachuk? <laughs> Keith Kachuk? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'm happy with my forwards, but still. Um, who the hell is Eric Perrin? Um, okay, defenseman. Uh, I saw some. I could go with um, Garnet Axelby. I feel like that's kind of that's kind of my best my best shot here. Although, ooh, Alexi Zitnik. That's that's there that's we go. Apologetic. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. Alexei Zitnik, a thousand games, four hundred and seventy-one points. Played a total of two seasons with the Thrashers at the very end of his career, where he had twenty-two points. <laughs> they have could have gone, you gone uh, Bogosian. Um, How long did Bogosian play for that? A long time. They drafted him. Uh, I could have gone with Bogosian. And then he went with them to the like, – they drafted him. He was – um, I was thinking of him as a jet.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, they they drafted him, and that's another one of their drafting mistakes. Um, that was the 08 draft, and I remember the run-up to that. That was the Stamkos here, and, like, Stamkos was the runaway number one. And then there was, like, a group of defensemen that were, um, you know, in that, in the, like, next pod. And um, Drew Doughty separated himself from the rest of the pack. There uh, went number two. But then the next group there was three defensemen, and everyone was like, "Oh, they could go in any order. They could go in any order." And you have Bogosian in there. Um, you know who? I- Luke Shen and um, Luke Shen. And the other guy in that group that um, the Thrashers passed on to take Bogosian
1: was um, Alex Petterangelo. Oh man. Oh, they really, uh, Oh, oh, Atlanta, Uh, you know? Okay. You know who else I missed here that I could, I could have taken as a defenseman. All right. Let's see if you can get this here without looking. He played seven games for the thrashers in 2009, 2010 was a minus two, zero points. You know who I could have taken? Chris Chelios. <laughs> Chris
0: Chel. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. He kept, like, kicking around because he wanted to be, like, still part of the PA and, like, influential on the PA. That's right. <laughs> I could
1: have had 48-year-old Chris Chelios. Wow. wow. Coming off a Stanley Cup with the Red Wings, like, the year before. <laughs> oh, wow. I, might, I might regret that. Like, I mean, clearly <laughs> I'm getting him in his 09 form. But, oh, man, Chris Chelios, that's a good team. Oh, man, I might have to uh, – I'll regret that one. But Jitnik's not bad. I'll take Jitnik. Um, all right, goaltenders. I get first pick on the goalie. It really does, it really does come down to uh, – it really does come down to either do I want Kari Lettinen or do I want someone else. Kari um, Lettinen was very good. But you know who I'm, but I'm going to go a little off the board here. I'm going to go with the moose, Johan Hedberg, for my. Back. Oh, man. I, I wanted, That's I want, one. I want Hedberg because, one. you know, you know, like, yes, Kari Lettinen is the leader and wins and everything for that team, but Johan Hedberg is a legend and a great, a former Canuck. Uh, once charged at a defenseman, knowing he was the only goaltender they had besides an emergency backup, and still got himself injured. <laughs> he's he, there's two, he has he's he's great. Yeah, he's got that's a, you might have a sour taste his, in your mouth because uh, he was a you know his sharks goaltending coach record. He was spotless, but but he oh
0: man, I want to say that like yeah, he was in the shark system. I feel like. Like he, he was, was a, in a lot of prospect. systems. I feel like he was a Sharks prospect, and then they like traded him to Pittsburgh. I
1: want to say. Let's see what we got here. As I'm looking up the transactions, he was. His rights were traded to San Jose by the Flyers in '98 for a seventh round choice at nine, at the '99 draft, and then he was traded to the Penguins with Bobby Dallas for Jeff Norton in 2001. Oh, oh! And here's an interesting tidbit: He the, when the the Canucks traded him to the Penguins, the Canucks gave up a second round draft pick, who turned into Alex Goligoski. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, uh, my bad. Uh, whatever. Well, these things still, happen. Yep, I still like Johan Hedberg for my goaltender here. I like, uh, I like, I like his aggressive attitude, and I think yeah. he brings something to my to my. He brings a little bit of a uh, feistiness to my lineup.
0: Yeah, that's 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 a solid pick. Um, that's a solid pick. I I gotta go with Lettman. Um You know, I, I'm, what am I gonna do? Take Andre Pavlik or you know, <laughs> Damian Rhodes? I mean, there were other guys, but like Mike Lettman. Dunham, yeah, Mike, yeah, Mike Dunham. Like, yeah, there's there were a bunch of there's so many. So many guys came through here, played a played a season or two. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with
1: um, I'm gonna go with and It's the it's the obvious pick, but I think it's the right one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, he's a, he's a distant second to Johan Hedberg, but I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a good call. There are some good there, are, there are, there's there's a few other players that did all right, like Alex Bermistroff was a pick later on in terms of like forwards. Did he, as well. I, yeah. Um, um, Former, Ooh! Uh, looks like, college.
0: looks like former Shark Steve Shields played oh. five games in goal for the Thrashers in uh, the 0-5-0-6 season, oh five oh uh, six season. Going,
1: going one two and one, and posting a eight fifty three save percentage. Wasn't Byron Defoe also a former Shark goalie? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? In that? I don't think. I don't think Byron Defoe played for the Sharks. I, I really don't think so. Unless it was. No, he did like, not. You are correct. I thought yeah. I thought I had a shark he played for the he played for the he played for the Kings. He was a king. He was a capital of Bruin and for a long time, actually a Bruin for a good amount of time. And then Thrashers for a couple at the end of his career. Uh you would also get one game of Rick Tabarachi, who has like one that one year in ninety two where he stole the, the Winnipeg Jets net from Bob Essens up briefly. Took the Jets yep. up three to one against the Canucks and then completely imploded in the last like four games, last three games of that series. So you could have that as well. That's also a good choice. I'm I'm going to stick with Kari uh, Littman. That's that's the right I think that's the right pick. All right. And I think with that, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this episode up. Uh Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh where can the people find your work? Um, well, first off, thanks thanks for having me. Um
0: I'm happy to be here and talk hockey at this time when there's no hockey to go on. And I'm very excited that you are now legally obligated to refer to me as a friend of the
1: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you go up in the hall of fame.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. Just thanks, thanks for talking to me. Um, <laughs> please do not follow me at East Bay Rye, um, <laughs> unless you're going to send me some coffee crisps. Like, if you have, you know, if you're going to send me some coffee crisps, you can follow me, and um, we can, oh, dude, can work could, something out. Oh, dude, you
1: just got to ask me to send you coffee crisps. Why haven't you? Why haven't you asked me before? <laughs> I have that hookup um, now.
0: I, I I just ate. I ate my last one that I got for Christmas. I've been, I've been, I've been hoarding it, and I ate my last one. Um, he, just, he just held up a Coffee Crisp wrapper to the camera. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, my, um, you know, whenever whenever my parents go back to Canada to visit um, their uh, their brothers and sisters, um, they bring back some Coffee Crisps, and I, I just polished off the last one the, this afternoon just to kind of get in the mode, kind of get my Canadian, uh... Uh, heritage uh, at the front of my mind, so yeah. But uh, yeah, I write stuff very infrequently for Fear of the Fin these days. Um, yeah, but go read their stuff. Uh, they're putting up, they're putting up good content. Uh, Shang had a really great piece up uh, this week about uh, you know how the uh, organization is uh, treating its uh, uh, workers during the during the stoppage. Um, really good content over at Fear of the Fin. Um, but yeah.
1: Eddie Spare Eye, please don't follow me. <laughs> All right. Nobody, you heard that. Nobody follow him. He is he he will not follow you back. He's not he's not part of Team Follow Back. Um and uh, I guess on the same kind of vein, just quickly, how are you? Uh how have you been coping with uh uh staying indoors and everything? I've been okay. Um we've got a we've got
0: a yard here and so we get outside and I can play with the, play with the kids in in the backyard and get outside a little bit. So, um, it's, it's a bit more manageable that way. It's kind of tough. We can't take the kids to the playground or, um, you know, things like that. But, um, I think we're probably, you know, coping as, as well as can be. And, you know, I, I work remotely part of the time anyway, so now I'm just working remotely every day. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, probably affecting me less than a lot of the a lot of the people out there.
1: All right, and uh do you got any uh TV or movie recommendations for people while they're stuck inside?
0: Everybody's talking about it right now, but
1: I got to plug uh, Tiger
0: King. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> Tiger King. I, I got to plug that. It's it's we, my wife and I have been powering through it um yesterday and today. It's unbelievable. Um just <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 just Pure, pure, unbelievable story that's going on there. Ridiculous characters. Um, yeah, Tiger King for sure. Um, and this is this is not a spoiler at all. My favorite, my favorite part so far is there's the guy who has um, two prosthetic legs. Um, is one of the one of the people that they they interview repeatedly. And in like the second or third episode, he says something like. Yeah, a lot of people think that I uh, wear these prosthetics because uh, because of a tiger attack or something. But no, it was a zip line accident. Like, <laughs> oh my what? god! Wait, like, yeah, yeah. There's this guy, and you know, there's there's this guy who's just like he's got he's got two prosthetic legs from the knee down, and he's like, just to clarify, no tigers involved in that. This is this is all ziplining
1: yeah, it's right. At the end of the day, the heroes I I believe the tigers are the heroes. I have not watched it, but that's my understanding is they're the only sympathetic
0: <laughs> you know, not not wanna say characters, but you know, beings in this thing that yeah, it's just unbelievable. Like, yeah, go watch Tiger Kings. Like I yeah. Yeah. That's what you should be watching now. It's only seven episodes though, so that's not gonna not gonna last you too long, but um
1: It'll give you something to talk you'll about. Enjoy, you'll enjoy it. And
0: it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just amazing that there are people like that in the world. You'll just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty normal. I got, <laughs> I got my shit together. Um,
1: <laughs> that sounds about, that's, that's for sure. I'm gonna, I'm at, that's my next, uh, that's the next thing on my Netflix watch list. Uh, right now I'm working through rewatching community because especially when I'm in indoor, when I'm stuck inside, I'm like, okay, I want to watch something funny and not something that's going to like, give me too much anxiety. So I'm yeah. gonna watch something that's as funny as po- and lighthearted as possible, but I'm gonna definitely that's a good call. get to Tiger King.
0: Yeah, I just re-watched community um for the first time in a long time a um, couple weeks ago. And yeah, like early like early community was just so good. Oh, like you- the first couple seasons of that so were so good. Um and I finally watched the final season this year, um just in the Los- last Couple weeks, finally watched the the final season. It had its moments, you know. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's decent.
1: It's all right. It's still better even, than a even
0: it's even even when it's not at its best. It's still pretty funny. But like yeah. when it's
1: when it's at its best, it's one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. A hundred percent, and yeah. With that, this is uh, this is. Thank you for listening to this special Atlanta Thrashers episode of the Crease Cast. Um, I have been Lachlan Lock and the Crease, Irvin. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, uh, check out. Uh, you can check out what work I have uh, at Daily Hive Offside uh, for Canuck stuff, as well as Pass It to Bullis. Although I won't be writing there uh, as much right now just because there's not as much freelance work going on at the moment. So you might be seeing a little bit more of my writing over on my personal website, lostvigrees.com, and possibly some Patreon stuff too. Um, Ooh. Yeah, Patreon. Go check out the Patreon. Uh, For three bucks a month, you get four bonus episodes of the show. And and right now, you probably need some more entertainment. I'm sure you're running out. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And thank you for listening. Uh, Please wash your hands, practice social distancing, and uh, yeah, maybe the Thrashers will come back sometime. We'll come back by the time (laughs) we're all out of here. Take care.